0: Having a, 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 being moved with compassion like Jesus was moved with compassion. Then I said, at the end, you could spend your whole lifetime trying to, just trying to get those things going in your life. Or you could spend time in the glory of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, and then all those things would start flowing in your life. Amen? Amen. So we can't do it all by ourselves. We got to be in the presence of the Lord, and when we spend time in his presence, we're changed into his image. Amen. Praise God. I, man, I'm just excited tonight because I, I feel like you came to receive tonight. Woo! Hallelujah. Come on. <laughs> you know, this is a, this is a, great, this is a great thing. I, Pastor Jonathan, I'm just so proud of what you guys are doing together, Tia, to and, and uh, Sister Brownie. We're just so proud of, uh, you know, I, I say that not in a... In a every proud way but just you know to be honored we honor you and we respect what you're doing hallelujah and it's a great work of god right here in lloyd minister Amen. praise god right in the middle of canada somewhere in the middle stuck in the middle between come on is it not the middle it's kind of the middle isn't it it's like a little bit to the west okay it's like the middle for me because i still got a long ways to go out to the victoria come on now Praise God. We got another eight weeks to go on the road, and then I'm home for two, and then we're taking doing our next operation, Philip. We've seen uh, two, uh, 2.3 million people come to Jesus since 99. Since I was here last time, not last night, but the time before, uh, last, uh, last April, we've seen 187,000 decisions for Jesus. Amen. That's worth clapping about. Come on. Woo! Hallelujah. And, uh, and, and, and I'm really humbled because I'm just a boy from, I didn't grow up in Tulsa. I didn't grow up in Dallas. I grew up in Hamilton, Ontario, you know, like Smog City. Come on now. Is that where you're from? Smog City. But she's just, she's there like, hallelujah, God can use a Canadian. How many believe God can use Canadians? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, he can. And I always, I always have fun because I can get in your face like some American evangelist, but, but I, can, I can do it better because I say, I ain't an American trying to tell Canadians how to act. I'm a Canadian. Praise God, and God can use Canadians. Praise, I say God can use Canadians. You now, If you're not a Canadian, you can become a citizen can't you? Hallelujah. Praise God. But how many know God uses kingdom people? And really the whole key is simply this, that you got to know who you are in Christ and you got to know what he's giving you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I just want to make mention of a couple things that, uh, and then I got to impart something to you. How many want some impartation tonight? Whew. Hallelujah. I believe you're in the right atmosphere. Hallelujah. And you're in the right attitude to receive it. I want to just make mention of a couple things. I have, a, I have some videos out. Most of the videos, all the videos, and all the CDs have to do with you becoming a more able minister. How many know you're a minister? Yes. Now, uh, I'll get into that in just a minute. But uh, just say this, if if there's anyone here, you're just battling, you're kind of, you know, uh, just struggling with your faith and with your walk with God and you're, you know, just really feel like you need a breakthrough, uh, I just encourage you to, you know, you might consider just picking up this book. I'm not a salesman. I'm just making these things available to you. If you buy them, fine. If you don't, that's fine too. But um, God gave me a message. God gave me a whole understanding. Let's put it that way. Uh, when I was pastoring, I went through a season when I wasn't enjoying it. I didn't like it. I wanted to quit. I wasn't really uh, enjoying uh, it. I was not healthy. I was coughing up blood, and I was struggling financially, and I was just having an ugly time, and it wasn't the way it's supposed to be. And I was, I was in, like, a desperate shape, and I thought, well, I could study about healing, but then what about my finances, and what about my attitude? And so uh, I could study finances, but then what about my healing and my attitude? And uh, so I got into the word, and I studied one word: strength. How many know the word? God always has an answer for you, yeah. and there are great nuggets. And I found uh, an amazing equation that God can multiply your strength. Everybody say multiply. multiply. Now you're smart enough to know here that if you had a thousand dollars and somebody added it to added to you, you know five, you'd have a thousand five. And how many don't mind an addition? But how many would rather have multiplication? What would you rather have? A thousand plus five or a thousand times five? Uh, I don't know, Pastor. What should I take? I'll take the five. I just want to be humble. Just give me addition. No, and there's an equation in, in, in the Bible where God says he will literally multiply your strength. Now, assuming that you have just a little bit, enough to read a book or enough to study the Scripture, enough to pray... He can multiply what you give to him. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, how many want some multiplication? Amen. Multiplied energy, multiplied strength, multiplied healing, multiplied ability. And so this is a wonderful, uh, Just, to, uh, I'll tell you something, it became a great message. It, it got written to a book, and, uh, but, but really it changed my life. And if you see any strength in my ministry, it's because uh, I really dug in and studied the word of God. This is my before picture. This is my after picture. Because the righteous are as bold as a lion, amen. Praise God. Who wants this book? I'm going to give it to this dear sister over here. Hallelujah! Right in the third row. Everybody say bless her. Bless her. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Whole bunch of people got healed in their shoulders last night. Praise God. Come on, just swing your shoulders. Over. Praise God! Hallelujah. It wasn't. Somebody said, "Was it Shoulder Night?" No, not really. God was doing a lot of things, but, <laughs> but just that somebody hooked into God for. You know, here's a book called uh, Every. Uh, it's called Personal Ministry Handbook. Now, I'll just say this: This is in conjunction with what I'm preaching tonight. I really believe. Listen to me. You know, uh, the Bible says, "Give honor to who honors due." Right? Yes. Understand that. And so, if you receive me as an evangelist, you'll get the evangelist reward. Right? You honor your pastor, you'll get the pastor's reward. And that's a great deal because if you don't have to be a pastor and you get a pastor's reward, that's a really cool deal. You know, all you have to do is just honor him. Hallelujah. But, uh, and damn. Um, uh, this book is a personal ministry handbook. I believe as an evangelist, and I'm not trying to belittle my profession, but I really believe that out of the fivefold offices, the evangelist is the the of the fivefold offices. You know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be a little, I know who I am in Christ, I'm not bothered by it at all, but I just know this, what evangelists do? We get people saved, get people healed, get people excited about coming to church. That's it. That's it. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other, you know, sub-sub things like repair vehicles and, you know, get, get people moving and stuff like that. But the, it, we get people saved, get people healed, get people excited about coming to church. What's the believer's job? Same as mine. Hallelujah, you don't have to counsel people, you don't have to, all you have to do is get people saved, get people healed, and you, and not only you don't have to do it, but you get the privilege of doing it because you're a believer, yeah. amen? So in this book is a whole bunch of, of answers to uh, people, like for example, there's reasons uh, why people say they don't need to be saved, for example, say, God loves me, there's no need for me to get saved, or I don't need a savior, or I've tried but I've failed, Or it's too late for me. And it's all scriptural answers as to how you can minister to people, why they need to be baptized in water, and why they need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you just brought a whole bunch of people to church and pastor gives an invitation and uh, they don't come forward because they're already saved. You already got them saved during the week. They already know that. And the pastor says, I couldn't understand why they didn't come forward. How come you, are you saved? Yeah, I got saved on Tuesday. Praise God! By the way, Pastor, can you baptize me in water? My, somebody taught me that I should be baptized in water. Amen. Come on, how many think that would be the way the church is supposed to operate? Amen. Praise God! Amen. Well, and uh, so you might want to get yourself a book like this. And if you're if you're lacking joy, there's some very excellent scriptures on the joy of the Lord in here. And uh, then I have a book here. This is uh, really uh, uh, just came off the print about three weeks ago now, and. Uh, it's called, I Took My Blackberry to Africa. And the whole book was written with my thumbs, uh, like this. I, was, I thought I was going to be smart, I'll leave my computer behind, I'm not going to do anything. And I got there the second day and I thought, I should keep record of what's going on here. And uh, by the time it was done, it turned into a book. And so it's a copy of my transmissions back to my wife, of what is happening daily. So it, it's, it discussed some of the, my problems, the difficulties, some of the challenges. At one time, at one point, we had to tie the front suspension together with, like, the springs were all broken, and we had to tie everything together with strong ropes, and we had to just pray that we'd go down the road. Come on now, because there's no parts anywhere, you know, and and just uh, lots of fun stuff. But it also records some of the miracles, and uh, and the uh, healings, and the salvation. Sixty-four thousand people saved in three weeks. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Yeah. So, yeah. So you might wanna get yourself a copy of this book. Uh, I know if you do, you'll be blessed. And if you, if, you, if you can't afford one, get, you know, borrow somebody who bought one. Praise God, borrow somebody else's. Uh, but I also wanna just mention real quick, we're taking a tour with us to Africa. Now, you gotta understand, I go, we do Operation Phillips. Operation Phillips are in dangerous territories. They're in places I don't take uh, people with me, I don't take teams with me. I have a team in Africa of Africans that go with me, just Zach and I and maybe one pastor or so, but I don't take other people with me because I don't want to be worried about you and uh, you getting into a situation or you being shot at or, or, you know, somebody, you know, attacking you or somebody getting in your face uh, and so forth. So because we're going into Muslim territories, we're in places where the gospel's not been preached. And so we don't take people with us to that, but we are taking a team with us to northern Uganda. And I think our sister over here is, which sister is from Uganda right there? She's from Kampala. And bonus uh, of May may, uh, what I say that they uh, say? Mukama ye boss boy. Okay, and, uh, but we're going to uh, Uganda, and uh, northern Uganda, we have, a, we have a compound, I think you saw a nice compound there, a place where you can sleep in nice clean sheets and nice beds, the bat- mattresses are really comfortable, uh, more comfortable than uh, the ones at some of the hotels, although I'm really blessed here, <laughs> praise God, I want you to know that, and uh, I know how to abase and abound, but when I come to Lloyd Minister, uh, I always abound. And I'm always treated like a king. I was just saying to Pastor, I am so blessed to have some room that I can actually kind of study in a different room and sleep in a different room and do my laundry and get my car fixed and all kinds of stuff and, and you know, plan ahead and stuff like that. Because sometimes when you're scr- scrammed into it, I don't need a, 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 nice, a big place all the time, but I just appreciate when I got it here. Praise God. But anyways, uh, at the, uh, the trip, is going to be 13 days of ministry and then a couple days of safari and we're going to sleep out actually on a game reserve where there's, uh, they say that animals come right by there. I've been in one of those, uh, on the game reserve, seen the place. is a very nice place. And uh, you love it. And God can provide for you. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. So, if you'd like to take a trip with us, I would say this, that grab one of these yellow sheets and uh, and then also um, put your email address on the, on the form at the back, and we'll get you information within another week or so, week or two, about it. And if you still are interested, but June wouldn't fit, we're doing this every year, sometimes two times a year. And so we just believe, and we'll be holding a crusade. Uh, you'll minister in prisons, you'll minister on the streets, and uh, you'll be amazed at how the Lord works through you. And you'll come back excited. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So how many would be interested at some time in your life going to Africa? Well, that's half the church. Praise, Just don't all go at once then. Praise God. Hallelujah. And, uh, and uh, we just appreciate you considering that. I want to talk to you tonight about the mission. Everybody say the mission. I want everybody to stand right now because I want impartation. I'm not here to just blow in the wind tonight. Hallelujah. Just stand up. Lift up your hands towards the Lord right now. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, I know that the things that I have to share tonight would only, would only be words, would only be information, would only be stimulation to the mind if it weren't for your Holy Ghost. But I thank you, Lord God, that the glory that was given to Jesus has been given to us. Hallelujah. And that anointing makes preaching and teaching easy to be listened to, easy to be understood, and easy to be applied. And we thank you, Lord God, that there is impartation tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, yippee! Yippee! Woo! Woo Praise God. You can sit down. Hallelujah. Praise God! I'm going to start off a little slow tonight, and uh, but uh, just a little, little, just kind of set the stage here. You know, sometimes we get in the mindset that uh, that all the ministry, most of the ministry across Canada, if we're not careful, and really it's maybe not the mindset, but it's also probably a reality, but it's not supposed to be. That much of the ministry that takes place across our nation happens between this pulpit and the back doors of the church. Are you with me right now? And really, that, that, that shouldn't be our mindset, and it shouldn't be a reality. Come on now. It really ought to be, uh, this ought to be a training. This ought to be an equipping place. It's not that you can't get ministered to, but the, the place, uh, the altar is a place to get ministered to, but it's also to, a place to get empowered, amen? And it, it, the church is a place, yes, if you're broken, you can be fixed, but also then you go out with a purpose. It's like a, it's like a barn, you know, you bring your implements into the barn and you sharpen up the, you know, the plow and you sharpen up this and that and then you go out and really all the ministry that goes on in Canada, you know, 95% of the real ministry that goes on in Canada ought to be going out beyond the walls of the barn. Amen? Now how many think something's got to change if that would be a reality? Amen? And I'm here to just release you. I, I, I really want impartation tonight. I know that it's the Spirit of the Lord that can do this tonight. And, uh, you know, I want you to get it. And so uh, I was thinking about a, a, a brother that I know, Jerry O'Dell, and uh, he, had a, he had a vision one time and he saw this barn. He saw a barn in his dream, and uh, he saw this beautiful barn. It was so beautiful. It was just kind of, you know, it was middle of the fields, uh, and, the, and the fields were all, you know, uh, with harvest. And he saw this beautiful barn, and, and he kind of just floated up to it like on a helicopter or whatever, just kind of floated up to it in his dream. And he saw that the barn was a nicer barn than usual. And he looked at it and the barn was all painted and the barn had clean windows, which is a change. And, uh, and, and then under the windows there were little flower boxes and there was a cement pathway and there was flowers around the barn. And he said, man, this is an unusual barn. And then in his dream, the spirit opened the doors. And when he opened the doors, there wasn't any tractors in there. There was just some bales of hay, and there was a bunch of chairs, and then there was a whole bunch of instruments. And at the back, on the back wall of the barn, it said, Barn Dance every Saturday night. And then he woke up, and he said, God, what's that all about? And uh, the Lord spoke to him. Now, this won't get you shouting, but it'll get you thinking. Okay, now, you're not going to shout about this, but you'll start thinking how many want to think for, like that ministry called Let My People Think, amen? Hallelujah. And uh, so, and he woke up in the morning, he said, God, what is that dream all about? And he said, many of my churches have been turned into barns. And he said, they're not barns for the harvest, they're barns for a barn dance. Now, it's good to come to church and shout and hoot and holler, and I'll tell you, I'm all for it, man. Praise God. But that's all. The whole purpose of it is really not just to have a barn dance once a week. Are uh, you with me right now? The purpose of the barn is to, is to keep the implements and, and, keep, and sharpen the tools so that, we can, so that really we can go out beyond the barn and we can do the work of the ministry uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Come on now, all week long. Come on, all night long. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I heard an interesting thing one time. Uh, Kenneth Hagin was uh, driving down the street and he saw one of his uncles. And his uncles were staggering out of a bar. Now, I know you don't have any relatives like that, but, uh, you know, it seems like we all have one. You know, they come around, and we say, well, they're not really related to us, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Kenneth Hagin saw him, his uncle st- staggering out of a bar. And so, Kenneth Hagin reached off with his hand. He was driving. He reached forth his hand towards him and said, save him, Lord. And the Lord spoke to Kenneth Hagin, and, and, and this is what the Lord said, what more do you want me to do? What more do you want me to do? What do you, what do you want me to do? I, I, I've given my life already. I've shed my blood. I, I've done everything I can do to save him. What more do you want me to do? Kenneth Hagin thought for a moment, he thought, man, he said, you know. he started thinking, he thought, well, you know, if God's, if Jesus has done everything he can do, then there must be something I must do. Come on now, you're with me right now. And so a lot of times we talk about the harvest is coming, but I want you to know the harvest is here. And Jesus said, don't say there is four months till come harvest. Stop saying it. Stop saying it, because I'm telling you right now, now's the harvest. And I tell you, I saw in the spirit the last couple days while I've been in this town, I saw, now this might seem cliches, uh, like a cliche, but it's not. I saw a fire burning through this, this church, and I saw the embers hitting some of these towns around here and some of these reserves around here, and I saw the power of God. And I... And I saw that God is wanting this church to be a hub for this region. Now, you say, well, I don't go to this. I don't care what you say. I'll just tell you what God told me. You don't want to fight with me, go fight with yourself because I ain't fighting with you. Okay, but that's what I saw. And so, you know, God said to Kenneth Hagin, he said, you know, what more do you, Jesus said, what more do you want me to do? Well, you see, then we pray, Lord, save somebody. Well, really, we're not really, we really shouldn't be praying, Lord, save somebody. Because he's already, he's already made provision for the whole world. Yeah. In other words, the provision for the whole world should be saved. So what can we then pray? What could we pray? What could we pray for those that we want to see saved? Well, we could, we could pray that they might come in contact with the light. We could pray that they might be receptive to the light. But really, what the Bible really teaches us is that we should pray that the Lord would send laborers into the harvest field. Now I found out, listen, I found out a lot of people don't want to pray that prayer. Come on, come, on. come on don't shut me down because I'm preaching good already but I found out you know is it, how many ever found out when, you, when you're praying for oh God meet that need sometimes God say okay here's your part yeah. Yeah. I found a lot of Christians don't want to pray about the Lord sending laborers in the harvest because how many know that somebody's got to go? Come on now. And you can if you really want the harvest to take place, if you want to see the harvest start coming in, hallelujah, like tomorrow or tonight, hallelujah, then you ought to pray, Lord, send the harvest. You ought to pray, Lord, send the laborers into the harvest, hallelujah. Then you ought to look in the mirror and just admit that it's you. Yes. I mean, we just got to get that in our brain that we're all harvesters. We're all missionaries. We're all ministers. Hallelujah. You're not the pastor, but you're a missionary. You're not the pastor, but you're a minister. Hallelujah. Are you with me right now? And so, you know, we got to just get, we got to get right away. Let Billy Bob go. Because after all, he's got bad breath and dandruff. Let him go to the mission field and we'll stay behind. We'll just support him. We'll stay right behind him. Miles, thousands of miles behind him. Hallelujah. We'll just be behind him. Hallelujah far behind them. Every once in a while, I we'll would think about them. Send them our stale bread. And uh, I had, when I was on the mission field, you know, i when I was on the mission field, people would send gifts to my parents, and uh, then we'd have to pay, you know, import tax and all that. And you'd open up the parcel, and you'd think, my God, I just spent all this money for nothing. Stale, oh, used tea bags, they sent one time. Use tea bags. I wanted to to know their name. My parents wouldn't tell me their name. I said, you tell me who sent them, Dad, Mom. When I get back there, man, I'm going to slap them in the head. (laughs) My mom and dad wouldn't tell me. It's true. (laughs) Use tea bags. Come on now. So, you know, it's like, but, you know, really, if you want the harvest, you can't say you really want the harvest. You can't keep prophesying the harvest unless you're willing to pray. Lord, send laborers into the harvest field. Can I get to see how many spiritual people we are right now? Say this Lord, Lord. send laborers laborers. into the harvest field. Woo, y'all moved your lips, man. I'm proud of you. Some churches (laughs) say, Send my wife. (laughs) <laughs> please god <laughs> give her a heart for india come on now i'll stay here and support her <laughs> come on now i'm going but you gotta understand see now see now now i want to talk about the mission and i want to talk about missionaries and i want to talk about soul winning it's all one and the same and sometimes we try to separate missionaries from soul winners and, and we get all, you know, slicing the word up until it don't mean anything anymore. Come on now. But the word of God says that he's called us to be ambassadors. Come on now. Are you with me right now? The word of the Lord says we are a royal priesthood. Amen. And so, I want you, I to just give you a couple of misconceptions about missions and soul winning. Because just think of them together. And then I'm going to really, you know, kind of hammer something down. But I want to give you a couple of thoughts. Firstly, uh, firstly, uh, you know, the mission is a misconception. Here's what I've heard many times. The mission is only for missionaries. In other words, uh, the quest to win souls. The quest to take the gospel where it hasn't gone before is only for a few chosen people. And I, and I, re- I, re- I really, I tell you something, I refuse and I've, I try hard and I try harder and harder all the time to not visit a church and walk in like I'm holier than Swiss cheese. I don't want to walk in as a visitation anointing. I am visiting, and I have an anointing. I'm visiting, and I have a gift. I'm visiting, and I have a full-time ministry. But I don't walk, want to walk in and act like I'm anybody smarter than you are or anybody better than you are. Yeah. I don't want to walk in and say, you know, though God uses me, and Holy Ghost uses me, and people get healed through me, and don't you wish you were me? Because nothing could be further from the truth. You are important to God. Amen? Amen. And God can use you. And so the idea that the mission is only for missionaries. In, the Ma- in Matthew 28, verse 18, don't, you don't even have to turn to it. Jesus said, go he said to the disciples, go into all the world and make of all, Amen. teaching them to observe What? Observe What? all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So Jesus says to the first missionaries, now you missionaries, you go and make some more missionaries. And when you make more missionaries, teach those missionaries to do all things that I have commanded you. So in other words, this standard that Jesus gave to the first disciples was not just, well, it's just for the holy apostles. No, it's not just for the holy apostles. It's for the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, and it's for you. Somebody say me. Me. And so because that standard of... Okay, disciples, you make disciples. Missionaries, you make missionaries. And you understand that you're a missionary. And disciples, you understand that I give you power and authority to tread on serpents. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, you go, missionaries, and you go make some more missionaries. And teach them that these signs shall follow them that believe. And teach them that they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Come on now. Now, because that standard has not been kept or because that standard has been misunderstood, we have pockets in the world who have never had the gospel. We have pockets of the world. We've had decades, even millennia of time where people have not heard the gospel because the standard that Jesus set, Jesus, Jesus set, the standard that he set has not been kept. Somebody say okay. Do you get that? So that would mean if, let's say if Pastor Jonathan is a descendant of one of the disciples, and he is doing what he was taught, then what is he supposed to teach you to do? The same, thing. the same thing. And since he is a descendant of disciples and they were first taught that they were to be missionaries and they were to make disciples of all nations and they were laying hands on the sick and they were to cast out devils and they were to get people saved, then what should you be doing? Same thing. The same thing. And I'm not here to. I'm going to teach you this right now, and, and we're not here to. We're not here to teach you something put a burden on your back that you can't carry. We're here to give you the empowerment to do it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Nothing worse than you know somebody trying to teach us without. The second misconception is this: we must reach our Jerusalem before we reach Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. I've heard pastors say that to me. Well, brother Mark, we just love your vision. We're so excited that somebody is going out into the world to preach the gospel into North Africa where there's so many Muslims. I'm glad it's you. They say that, I'm glad it's you because it wouldn't want it to be me. And then they say this, well, we're in this program right now and we got a building program. But after that program's done, after we take care of our Jerusalem, we'll start taking care of the rest of the world. And then the funny thing is, and there's a few pastors like, that's not all, thank God. But there are some that as soon as they finish that building program, they enlarge the sanctuary. Next thing you know, they got another program. They're going to enlarge the gymnasium. Come on now. And then after that program, they say, well, Brother Mark, I know I told you after the sanctuary is built, we're going to start supporting you big time, but we got to build this gymnasium because our kids need to play basketball. And so then they build, and nothing wrong with the gymnasium. Come on now. But, but, but it's not. And so then they get the gymnasium built and then they say, well, we got to do this and we got to do that. And we find out that there are churches and there are people that consistently and always are taking care of their Jerusalem and they forgot the rest of the world. Now, I'll tell you something. You show me a church that's growing, and I'll show you a church that's connected to missions. And I'll tell you right across this nation, the churches that are growing, where people are getting saved, where people are excited about the Lord, the pastor has stood up and said, I know you can't see them, I know you don't know them, but there's a world out there that needs Jesus, and because he has told you there's a world out there that needs Jesus, it is God in your heart that the people around you need Jesus, hallelujah. And the light that shines the farthest is the light that shines the brightest at home. So saying, well, I got to reach my Jerusalem first. Before I reach the rest of the world, it's like saying, well, God, after I learn to love you, then I'll love my wife. (laughs) Or like saying, after I love my wife, then I'll start to love my kids. No, you know, God's not like that. He's a smart God. He can can help you love him, and you can love your wife, and you can love your kids, and you can love your dog all at the same time. Come on now, how many know you could? Because you are not just a one-track person, hallelujah. And God can give you the ability, hallelujah. The interesting thing is that Jesus said, okay, the authority to go into all the world and preach the gospel, I told you on on Sunday night back in Loon Lake, if you were there, the authority was in the word. He said, go into all the world. He said, make disciples of all nations, freely ever receive, freely give. The authority is in the word. And how many have read that? And how many know that's in the word? But you know what? If all you've got is the authority, and and, and all you've got is this commission on you, it almost becomes a burden. It becomes like something. I remember one time saying to my wife, why did God give me a vision I can't fulfill? Which was a lie. Which was a lie. I was totally in deception at that moment. I said, why did God give me a vision I couldn't fulfill? Well, the problem was I read in the Bible what I'm supposed to do, but I didn't have any power to do it. Are you with me right now? That's why last night I tried to help you to see the more we spend time in the glory of God, the more we'll be like Jesus. Hallelujah. And the more we are like Jesus, the more people will be touched. The more people will start following us. The more people will find that resident power available on demand for external use. Come on. How many want to be Christians? (laughs) Woo! Hallelujah. The third misconception is this. Here's one. Every mission must be fruitful. mission. Pastor and I were talking about this a little bit uh, and he was telling me, giving me some illustrations, but I'm not going to use this. (laughs) But you see, we get the idea every mission must be fruitful, but can I tell you something right now? Every mission is not always fruitful. You know, the sower goes out, so the seed, and the Bible said, some fell upon stony ground, some fell by the wayside, come on now. Are you listening to me right now? Is the sower condemned because he didn't get success every time? No, he's commended for sowing the seed. And so, we must learn to celebrate the, the effort. Yes. Come on now. We must learn to, let me just do, let's do the mathematics here. Jesus, when he fed the hungry, it says there were 5,000 men. Now, there was probably, you know, at least four or 5,000 women. Because how many know where there's men, there's always women. And a lot of times, there's more women than there are men. So, there's at least, let's say, 10,000. And then, you know, where there's men and women, there's always kids. Right? Come on now. So there's at least fifteen or 20,000 people. Jesus fed the multitude, but when he rose from the dead, he only, he only had 500 people that he could invite to the upper room. And then when they went to the upper room, only 120 people showed up in the upper room. Are you calling Jesus a failure? No. no. So we must learn as a church to celebrate the effort. Everybody say effort. Effort. Now, watch this. you know in a service. And this is what usually takes place. Anybody got a testimony? Pastor gets up. Somebody gets up and says, well, pastor, yesterday the Lord spoke to me. Somebody was on the park bench, and the Lord spoke to me. Hallelujah. And I went up to them. And he said, share the gospel with him.' And I went up to him, and I shared the gospel with him, And he got healed in his arm, and, and praise God, he got in his sound mind. And he's in church tonight. And the whole crowd goes, ah! hallelujah. Come on, right? And that's a great victory, and we need to celebrate the victories. But we also need to celebrate the success. You know, what kind of testimony would it be like this? If somebody stood up and said, Pastor, I just want to tell you the Lord was speaking to me. Two days ago, he told me to talk to somebody on a park bench, and I didn't. But I want you to pray with me because I want to hear God's voice, and I want to be able to do it. You know, and so everybody goes, yawn, yawn, yawn. And everybody goes, oh, that's too bad. But you know what? We ought to celebrate the fact that that guy heard from Jesus. Come on now. Because if we had more people hearing from Jesus, we'd have more success. So then the next day he comes up and says, he gets up next t- Sunday in his testimony. He says, oh, pastor, brother, pastor, oh, praise God. You know, the Lord spoke to me to talk to somebody about Jesus on that park bench. And I said, Lord, if I see him again, I will tell him about Jesus. And there I was on a bus. And oh, boy, I mean, everybody was around. And the Lord was speaking to me and telling me to, to tell him about Jesus. So I opened my mouth and told him about Jesus. And he didn't get saved. And everybody goes, Brr. But the fact is, we ought to celebrate, number one, that this believer, number one, heard from Jesus. Come on, somebody say, yeah. Yeah. And number two, he obeyed Jesus. Come on now. And if we had more people, you're with me now, if we had more people hearing from Jesus and more people obeying Jesus, we'd have more success. So we got, come on now, we got to learn to celebrate the effort. Hallelujah. Everybody say, celebrate the effort. I'm just celebrating that you're hearing from God. I'm celebrating that you're willing to do something for God. I'm celebrating that you're not saved, sanctified, and stuck. I'm celebrating that you're not a stick in the mud. Hallelujah. I'm celebrating that God's working in you. Hallelujah. Woo! Just give me a church where God's working in them. Hallelujah. Celebrate the effort. Turn to somebody and say, celebrate the effort. Celebrate the effort. Now, that's good advice right there. Amen. Praise God! Here's here's the fourth the fourth uh, misconception. Here it is, right here. It says it says this: We need to go if we're going to be fruitful in the mission. Everybody said, "Well, the whole the whole commandment is go, go into all the world, go make disciples." But you know what? You don't have to go to China. You don't have to go to Africa. You don't even have to go very far. As a matter of fact, you could just live in your your little square, 10, 10 kilometer square, and if you just go with jesus everywhere you go you may not have to go to india africa, or africa china come on now right so we got this idea go and so what happens is pastor is we get people to come with us on mission trips and sometimes i find out that some of these people that come on mission trips are not always the sharpest tools in, in the toolbox but all of a sudden they realize i'm going on a mission trip I got to give away something. And so all of a sudden they start praying, they start believing God and all of a sudden they feel like they're empowered and they they practice the presence of Jesus and all of a sudden they're on a mission trip and God starts using them and on the way home on the bus, on the way home they go Brother Pastor Evangelist Mark, I just love this so much. I just want to give my life so much to Jesus. I just want to serve him. All days of my life and when I retire I'm just going to give all my money to God. It's nice to be used by Jesus and they come back and they lose track of the fact of the indwelling presence of Jesus and they become duds and useless and a pain in the derriere come on now now that's not always Because when you go on a mission with me, you're going to hear a couple messages from me saying, if you go home and you're less than what you were before you left, then you didn't get nothing and you just wasted your money. Come on now. Are you listening to me right now? So the whole deal is you don't have to go because also there's not just the concept of all of a sudden getting anointed to go, but you can be anointed to stay. And you can be the river, and you can be the well. Come on now. And you can be the city on the shining hill. right where, And you can be the light. Come on now. Right where you are, hallelujah. Come on, somebody get excited. You say, well, Brother Mark, all I have is one piece of fruit in my life. We'll just hang that branch out and let people eat of it and believe God that he'll multiply Come on now. <laughs> well, Brother Mark, I don't have all the nine fruits or the seven, thousand. I don't have all, everything going on. So what? Who does? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't have it all together. We'll join the club. Yeah. <laughs> I need more. Well, get in line with me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Just stop your stupid thinking. Yeah it's stupid the devil always just tries to tell you "You don't have enough you're not smart enough you're not good enough you're you're ugly you're dumb (laughs) not you not you (laughs) not this church come on not this church what was I thinking I was thinking I was in a different town or something like that (laughs) but the devil always tries to tell you that right but I'll tell you something every one of you have I'll tell you right now if you've been saved for two minutes You got more than the world has. And I tell you, if you have a bad day, uh, can I just say this? If you wake up in the morning and you got a bad hair day and you got wrinkles. And so that's a great idea. Somebody's got a vision for that, but that's not the mission, right? Right. What's the mission? Well, we got to, you know, see, the bigger the church gets and the more arms of the church. And as this church begins to reach out into these Indian reserves and some of these towns around here, and as this church becomes a hub, you will have more and more and more vision. And I go to some churches, they got vision coming out of their, their ears, I mean, they got a vision for seniors, and they got a vision for feed the hungry, and they got a vision for children, and they got a vision for our children's children, and they got a vision for the youth, and they got a vision for the preteens, and they got a vision to build buildings, and they got a vision for the poor, and they got a vision to build a Bible school, and they got a vision for teen television, and they got a vision for missions, and they got a vision for you know this and that, and they got all kinds of visions, and feed the hungry, and and help the poor, and they got a food bank, and they got all kinds of visions. But what is the mission? Because when you get involved in all this stuff, painting the church and doing renovations and helping in the worship team and doing all this stuff, what is the mission? The real, see, we get sometimes caught up in the church work. We get so caught up in the work of the Lord that we forget the Lord of the work. Come on now. And what is the Lord of the work? The Lord's vision. You know, he don't mind us painting buildings, and we need to paint them. We need to enlarge larger territories, and that's all part of the vision. And God gives us visions, but those visions are always given to us to fulfill a mission. The last thing I checked, hallelujah, the mission in the New Testament was to make disciples of all nations and to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Somebody say yes. yes. So, over in the book of Corinthians, just look at this right now. Over in the book of Timothy, rather, Timothy, chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says something. I want to read to you from the Message Bible. 1 Timothy four, 2, verse 4, it says, he, God, not only wants... Us, but everyone to be saved. How many believe that? Yeah. You know, everyone to get to know the truth that we've learned, that there is one God and only one God and one mediator between God and us, Jesus, who, suffered, who offered himself in exchange for everyone held captive by sin for one purpose, to set them all free. And I love the message that says, eventually this news is going to get out. And this and this only has been my appointed work, getting the news to those who have never heard of God, explaining how it works by simple, plain truth. Now, listen to me. This is Paul the Apostle. Everybody say, Paul the Apostle. This is Paul the Apostle who wrote 14 books of the New Testament, who took three missionary journeys, not for three weeks, but for years, who did tent ministry, and it wasn't just setting up a tent so he could have church. He, he built tents, sold tents, so they could get the money. Who raised a lot of money to go on mission trips. Who organized the church according to Ephesians. Into apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. So that every saint could be equipped for the work of the ministry. Or they could be equipped to be a missionary. Right? This is Paul the apostle. And he says, he dares to say... 14 books, he dares to say, this and this only is my appointed work. What is my appointed work? To get the news out that there's one Savior. What is the mission of the church? to get the news out. There's a one savior, hallelujah. Why do we take up offerings so that we can get the news out that there's one savior, hallelujah. Why do we big build bigger barns so that we can get the news out that there's one savior, hallelujah. Why do we have youth ministry so that we can get the news out that there's one savior. Come on now. Why do we have children's ministry so that we can get the news out that there's one savior, hallelujah. Why do we have pastors? Why are we doing what we're doing? So we can get What is it all about? So that we can get the news out that there's one Savior. This is Paul the Apostle who had his hands upon everything. He said, my number one task is to get the news out that there's one Savior. See, like, and and, you got to understand, this guy painted by number, but he saw the big picture. Are you with me right now? And you want to talk about somebody painted by number. This guy painted by number, but he still saw the big picture. What I have seen, and I've been in church all my life, all my life, I have seen people get into church and get so involved in building programs and get so involved in serving and get so involved in something, then somebody from the other side of the church, you know, on a bad day, looks at them and they're tired and they've been working so hard for Jesus. Somebody looks at them cross-eyed from the other side of the church and all of a sudden they give up and say, I give up. I don't even know what it's all about anymore. They get disillusioned. I had one, I told you, I think I told this before, but it's funny. I had one lady in my church, she come up to me and said, Brother Mark, I'm leaving this church. And I said, oh, that's too bad, because sometimes, you know, sometimes I got my mind on things, I'm focused, and so I might have walked past her and not shaking her hand. And uh, she said, I'm leaving this church. I said, I'm sorry if I offended you. She said, oh, it's not you, Pastor. It's Sister So-and-So. And I said, Oh mean, you mean sister so-and-so the daughter or sister so-and-so the mother? It was the mother. I said, Well, what happened? She looked at she gave me a dirty look last Sunday in church. I said, let me see, you've been going to this church for ten years. Somebody gave you a dirty look and now you're leaving. And I said, I said, who needs the ambulance? Her or you? I mean, I, you know, but uh, I mean, I mean, you know, come, hey, hey, she goes, she goes, and she goes, it was her brother, pastor. And I looked at her and I said, as if I'm going to do something, as if I'm going to go and, you know, talk to her or something like that. I'm not going to talk to her. She you gave, she gave me a dirty look. Now you're willing to go to hell. You're going to just lose, abort your whole vision and all, your whole dream, your whole mission because of, it. and, and, uh, he says, I'm going to do, hey, 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 I'm just leaving the church. And I said, well, it wasn't the daughter, but it was the mother, right? I said, I happen to know something about that mother. That mother's been having problems with her stomach and with gas. And I imagine she was just looking for the exit sign. So she didn't blow up the whole building. <laughs> she probably wasn't even talking about thinking about you. <laughs> I know I told her here before, but it's all right. It's funny. See, you got to understand because some, some, sometimes that's what happens. Well, I'm leaving the church. you going to leave the church over that? Well, aren't you smart? You're really clever, I'll tell you. See, but the whole point is, is what happens is when people get their eyes off the mission, sometimes they get exhausted with the vision. Well, I've been working hard and I've been doing this and I've been doing that, and Pastor didn't pat me on the back. Well, when's the last time you patted him on the back? Come on now. Okay. Well, he's the pastor. He should know better. Well, you've been saved for a few years. You should know a little bit yourself. Right. Come on, I, you know, I was, I was, you know, I, when I was thinking about ministries, if I thought if I was just going to minister in Canada, I might call my ministry Get a Clue Ministries, because <laughs> some Christians could, could use a clue. <laughs> Come on now, you <laughs> know what I'm talking about. <laughs> But see, everything we're doing, so then here, okay, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 14. Help me, help me, Jesus, help me. Okay, it says, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 14. He says, I thank God I baptized none of you except uh, Crispus and Gass, lest anyone then you should say that I baptized in my own name. Oh yeah, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. but besides that, I don't know whether I baptized uh, any other, For Christ did not send, did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with words of wisdom, man's wisdom, lest then the cross of Jesus should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who believe it and are being saved, it is the power of God. What's Paul the Apostle saying? Christ did not send me to baptize people in water. Oh yeah, I did baptize people. I baptized people in water, but that uh, Christ didn't send me to baptize people in water. You say, like, sometimes I say, well, I just had to, you know, go over the vehicles with fine comb, too, fine, fine, you know, fine comb, and I had to just, you know, look at everything, and I had to analyze everything, and then I got to raise money and all this, and I could say, well, God didn't send me to be a mechanic. He didn't send me to, you know, organize mission trips, but God sent me to preach the gospel. Nevertheless, some of these things have to get done. That's right. Are you with me right now? What is Paul talking about? He said, "He said God didn't, God, Christ didn't send me to baptize. I did baptize a few people, but my my mission. Now on that day the vision was I'm going to baptize Crispus and Gaius. On that day the vision, because the vision changes from time to time, but the mission always stays the same. Come on now. Amen. So Paul says Christ didn't send me to baptize. He sent me to preach the gospel." Then first Christian uh, verse two chapter two verse two. He says, For I'm determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. What is Paul talking about? He was more the most in-depth writer in the whole Bible. Come on now. He started dividing the church, say the church operates like this and like this, and you know, this is, you know, the grace of God and the abundance and, you know, sufficient. He talked about how offerings work and how giving works, supernatural, all this stuff. He was the most in-depth writer of the whole Bible, really. I mean, the, the epistles of, of Paul, I mean, they're amazing. And Paul stands up and he says, no, Christ, I have determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ. <laughs> And then if you look in the next chapter, he starts talking like this. He says, I'd like to speak to you as you adults, but you're just babes. He says, you're spiritual. You fell behind no spiritual gifts. But then the next chapter, he says, now I've got to talk to you as, as babes because you just, you're, still, you're still on milk. Yeah. See, what he, now what does he do in the next chapter? He's saying, he said, who's spiritual, who's not spiritual? No, in in, in chapter 2, verse 2, he's talking mission talk. He's saying, my mission, the whole reason why I'm here, yeah, I'll deal with who's spiritual and who's not spiritual. Yeah, I'll write some books, and yeah, I'll raise some money for a mission trip, but my whole mission is to reach the lost. Come on now. Are you with me right now? I had one pastor say to me, he said, he said, my whole mission as a pastor from everything, everything, my number one mission is teach people to worship Jesus. I said, that's great, but that's not your mission. Your mission is to reproduce what Jesus produced in the disciples. And they worshiped. And we need to teach people to worship people, worship God in spirit and truth. And I love this church. You're a worshiping church, but that ain't all there is to it, baby. There's a time to worship and there's a time to stop worshiping and go reach the lost. Hallelujah. And there's a time to pray for the lost and pray for the harvest. And there's time to open your mouth and stretch forth your hands and pray for the sick and reach the lost. Hallelujah. Because we have a mission. Hallelujah. What is the mission? The mission of the church is to reach the lost. And everything we do, if it doesn't under if we don't understand the mission, then we have a whole bunch of messed up believers. So how'd you like to be? I was over in, a couple of years ago, I had the privilege of, of actually preaching in the GM factory in Oshawa. Can you believe this? I was given the opportunity to preach at every station. They would have a five-minute break, and I was allowed to preach at every station on the assembly line on a regular day. It was no special day except for I was allowed to preach. And anybody wanted to come over on their five-minute break, they could come over, and I'd preach for three minutes and pray for two minutes. And then on the coffee breaks, they had 20 minutes. And they'd take five minutes to go there and come there. And I'd have 10 minutes to preach and five minutes to pray. And I did it all day long. And God gave us a great victory. We had hundreds in that one day. We had hundreds of people interested in the gospel. And then we had a tent meeting about 20 miles away. And we had hundreds of people give their heart to Jesus from the GM factory. Hallelujah. Some of which I know have gone on to heaven already because we had the opportunity. But can you imagine what it is like every day? Come on now, you live in Alberta, but can you imagine what it's like to, to work in one of those assembly plants and have the same job every day for 30 years? Take the drill, take a screw, and put it in the dash. Zzz, zzz, zzz. What are they doing it for? They're doing it for a paycheck. Come on now, they're doing it for a paycheck, Right? Or taking a harness. Could you imagine like a weekend, week out? month in, month out, year in, out, yeah. taking a little wire harness and placing it under the dash and sticking it in there and, and connecting a few wires and then the car moves down the assembly and then you grab another one and you take another Here we go. Here we go again. And you go, just like the other time and we're just doing it. Come on, you know, I don't know. And that's why, the reason why they let me go in and preach there is because the manager and the CEO of that plant had the philosophy that if, I, if anybody is interested, and we can alleviate some of their burdens and and get them stop thinking about their troubles. We can produce better vehicles. Now the employees, they might have had just a paycheck on their mind, but there is a mission at GM. And on any given day, if you want to know what the mission of GM is, you could just walk out of the plant and drive past the big parking lot where there's hundreds or thousands of trucks there sitting row after row after row that have been made because GM is not there just to employ people. It's there to produce trucks. And pastors and churches are not just there to fill up and and, and, and blab and spit and throw hot air out and lay hands on people with olive oil until we make salad out of their head. There's a reason. And the whole reason, come on, some of y'all ought to get excited about this. The whole reason for everything we do as believers is to reach the lost, hallelujah. The suffering, the sighing, the bleeding, the dying for Jesus, hallelujah. That is your mission. So your mission don't you just point at me. He's the evangelist. You know? This is why there's not very many evangelists in Canada. Because many pastors, the evangelist said, I'm called to the world. And the pastor said, Go! Get out of here! Because many evangelists have used unscrupulous ways of raising funds. God told me to work in the church. Work in the local church. I'm not going down the highway going to rent a hotel next month and, you know, gather my own following. Mm-hmm. I believe in the local church. Yeah. Are you with me right now? Yeah. But then we got the idea that a missionary is just to select, uh, just a few, just to select a few. No, can I tell you something right now? You are the missionary. Yeah. Turn to somebody and say, you're a missionary. Yeah. Now, I used to tell, now see, I, 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 don't, it doesn't, I don't have any scripture that says, thus saith the Lord, you are a missionary. But I do have scripture that says you are a minister. Yes. For example, Isaiah 61 says, Because of Jesus, you shall be called priests of the Lord, and men shall call you ministers of my God. In other words, you are a priest of the Lord. You're, you're, you're the go-between. You're the introducer. You're the only Bible that some people will ever read. Come on now. Yes. And you actually are there in Christ's stead like an ambassador. When I stand up in Africa, in Sudan, where there's, you know, 99% of the people are Muslims and they got rocks and sticks in their hands, I don't say, well, I got something that you might want to listen to i get up and say, God sent me. I am an ambassador from heaven, and I am God's representative right here, right now, to tell you that he loves you, and that he wants to put his love on you, and he wants to bless you, and he wants to heal your bodies, and he wants to give you purpose, and he wants to give you destiny. And with the authority that I speak, hallelujah, thousands believe. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that's because you're special. No, it's because I'm obedient. Because everybody's special. There's no big people in this room. There's no little people in this room. I'm tired of all that shenanigans. I'm fed up to hear with it all. I'm fed up to hear with it all. I'm fed up with all that stuff. Now, I'm telling you, you know, know, well, you know, that doesn't mean that you're the pastor just because you're a minister. Because you may not be called to do that. Like, for example, you may not be called to be a full-time evangelist. But everybody's a missionary. The Bible says in Isaiah, that you're a priest of the Lord. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says that you're a royal generation, a holy generation, chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Come on now. A holy nation. At 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5 and 6 says uh, that not that you are sufficient of yourself to think anything of yourself, but your sufficiency comes from the Lord Jesus Christ who has made you to become an able minister. Everybody say, I'm an able. Amen. An able minister. I'm an able minister. Amen. Come on, open your mouth and say it. I'm an able minister. I'm an able minister. Why? Because you're so smart and you're so wonderful? No, because he's so smart and he's so wonderful. Hallelujah. And he lives inside of us. Hallelujah. And we are not sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Yay, God. And When you got saved, you weren't just born to go to heaven. You were born to be a minister of the gospel, hallelujah. To to you to, to learn what Christ is like, and then repeat and 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 do what He did, hallelujah. And Jesus said, "Greater work shall you do, because I go to my Father." It didn't say, "Greater work shall the preacher do." Greater work shall the evangelist do. It says, "Greater work shall you do." That means you, hallelujah. Come on, somebody say me. You're a missionary. You have a mission. Yes. And so when you're ushering, don't lose sight of that mission, Hallelujah. You shake hands with people. Every hand you shake is for one reason. Praise God! It's to get people into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! And when you greet, and when you and when you feed people, and when you cook that banana bread or whatever it is, and and when you come on now, when you make that lasagna for that you know uh, pot blessing or whatever you do, and when you go down the street and give somebody a sandwich, come on now, or when you go and visit somebody, it's all for one reason. Hallelujah! Because you are a minister. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! See you. To say you're a minister. Now let me just explain why I don't say you're a minister. Because everybody's got the concept that if you're a minister, you gotta have a microphone in your hand. And today where churches have come to a point where almost there's you know, it almost all the ministry happens with microphones. The worship the preaching, and then there's a little bit of other ministry that happens. But you know, even more so now than ever, the most ministry that's done in the church is done with a microphone. And so I don't want to say that you're a minister, minister, because if I say you're a minister, you'll think you need to buy a microphone. But you already got a microphone. I'll never forget it when Reinhard Bonnke laid hands on my son, and he prophesied. He said, I want to give you my microphone. And then he said, not this microphone, because this doesn't belong to me. My microphone. Somebody say, I got a microphone. a microphone. You got a microphone, hallelujah. <laughs> Doesn't even need batteries, hallelujah. Come on now. You're a missionary, hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm a missionary. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Doesn't it make you feel important already. If you know how how special and great you are in the kingdom of God. Yes, you still need a pastor. Yes, you still need a church, hallelujah. But you need to understand that you were brought into the kingdom for such a time as this, hallelujah. And there are people out there that your pastor and this evangelist and that TV ministry will never be able to touch. But you are the missionary on that well-drilling place. You are the missionary on that farm, hallelujah. You are the missionary in that veterinary clinic hallelujah you are the missionary of that car park store hallelujah you are a missionary wherever in your home hallelujah in the Walmart in the Tim Hortons in the Starbucks in the second cop in McDonald's oh God help you that's like being a missionary in Africa going to McDonald's somebody say I'm a missionary turn to somebody say you're a missionary Oh, come on, turn to somebody else and say, you are a, you are a missionary. You're a missionary. You're a missionary. Listen, come in, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. We tell the world who doesn't know Jesus, what is it all for? All that money you got. Because you can't take it with you. And we tell the world all that fame you got and all that fame and fortune, how empty it can be. I'll just remember the rest of the words there. I ain't going to sing it because I miss my wife. But, uh, you know, so we tell the world that. And then we go on our merry way in the church. Don't us don't it all for? all the offerings, all the sermons, All the giving, all the worship, all the teaching, all the 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 all the hours. What is it for if it's not for the purpose of harvesting the precious fruit of the earth? What's it for? I get tired of people. I put it in the back of my book. I sounded like I, I wrote it, and I thought, should I really put that because it sounds like I'm bitter, but I'm not really bitter, I just want people to understand. And I put it right in the back of the book. I said, I've been blessed and I'm so thankful. Some people have caught my vision, but I'm frustrated with Christians who feel like they have no responsibility to anybody but themselves. Come on, come on, come on. Preach it, sir. Preach it. Well, I'm going to church to get a meal. Well, if you were smart, you'd learn how to make a meal for yourself. In fact, if you had to come to church, and I could tell the difference in the atmosphere tonight compared to last night. Some of you were in the glory. Come on now. And when you're in the glory, man, you start carrying something. Hallelujah. And you feel like you got something. And when you know you're a missionary, hallelujah, you know you got to have something to give. Hallelujah. Because when you're there, you're not there to have them give you. You're there to give them. <laughs> Bless God. I got something that the world don't have. Hallelujah. And the world didn't give it to me. And the world can't take it from me. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, freely, I have received. Freely, I'm going to give. I have people come up to me and say, I had somebody last week. They said to me, after I've just preached, prayed for the sick, (laughs) they came and said, they said, oh, you know, leave him alone. He's on vacation. They said, that's what they said. That's what they said about me. The pastor almost fell over laughing. I almost punched the person in the eye. (laughs) i was thinking, I don't care how hard you work. I work five times harder. Now, I don't know. It's not, nobody's comparing, but the whole point is, is I'm not on vacation. I have people say, oh, it must be wonderful to fly around. I was home five weeks last year in my house. Five weeks. Now, that sounds wild. Wow. Geez, it's wonderful. When you've done it for 30 years, it's like your head's spinning. Sometimes I just like to stay in one place for a while. I get up sometime in hotels, and I get up, and I get up, and bang right into the wall because I forgot where I was. <laughs> I'm learning now when I get up. He, Zachary's heard in the middle of the night. Boom! what was that? Oh, it's dad just hitting the wall again. <laughs> he forgot what hotels he's in. Now I'm learning when I get up in the middle of the night, I sit at the side of the bed and say, okay, God, what country I'm in? What time zone, zone and am I in? <laughs> what language do they speak here? Come on. <laughs> oh, people say, you're on vacation all the time yeah okay you understand what I'm talking about no we are missionaries you are a missionary now you may not get to do it full time like me but you have the pleasure you have the, the, the privilege you have the honor of having the same anointing not Holy Ghost three or four because mine's special and yours is not I'm not teaching that kind of. I'm tired of that kind of gospel European and I'm I'm great. No, I'm not teaching that gospel, because it's not gospel. It's a life in the. It's a religious bunch of gobbledygook that's been. It's it, we got to let God's people go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You honor your pastor, and you come to church, and you be blessed, but you need to know that you are a missionary, hallelujah, and you can open your mouth, hallelujah, and you can say something, and you can touch somebody, hallelujah, because if you have Jesus in you, you have more than they have. Yes. Okay? You with me now? Okay, let me wind this thing up because you're, you're, you're taking a long time to hear. <laughs> Everybody say, there is a mission. There is a mission. Everybody believe in the mission? Yes. What's the mission? Well, GM, GM's mission is to make vehicles. And if you forget about it, you ought to just remind yourself, it's to make disciples to reach the lost. So that's your mission. Your mission is not just to get to heaven. I got to get to heaven somehow. I tried, but I couldn't. Devil tried to turn me around. No, no, you don't have to get to heaven somehow. You got to be a missionary on this earth. You'll have no problem get to heaven if you just fulfill your mission. Yeah, I got all churches trying to just get to heaven. Oh pastor, will you pray for me. I've been serving Jesus for twenty seven years, and I just don't know whether I'm going to make it. You sorry sight. No, 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 no. You 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 miss the whole thing because Jesus. Died so that you can have life and life more abundantly. And the great thing is, you get to do the works of Jesus. Yeah. Woo! Look out, devil! These hands are healing hands. Yeah. Look out, devil! My mouth is a mouth that can preach, charity. I got a microphone. Someone say, I microphone. I got a microphone. I got healing hands. I got a life that counts, I'm going to make it count, I'm going to make a difference, I am a missionary, I got a mission. And when you lose focus, that's when you get disgruntled, you get beat up, you get disweldered, well I don't know what it's all about, why did the pastor say that? Oh, well just shut up and do your mission. If you'll start doing your mission, you won't even care. Hallelujah. Somebody say he's preaching good. Okay, let me give you the last one. This is my last point. If you have a mission, and if you are a missionary, then you got to understand you got to use what you got. Everybody say, I got to use what I got. Now, look at me right now, because here's the deal. We're in church, and we know there's more. But if you always have your focus on the more, you will never lo- use what you have. Now, it, should we get more? Yes, get more teaching, get more understanding, get more anointing, get more smile on your face, get more Christ-like, get more, get more of Jesus, get more. I want more of Jesus, more and more and more. I want more of Jesus than I ever had before. I want more of his great love, so rich and full and free. I want more of Jesus, so I'll give him more of me. Not less, more. Okay, I understand the principle of the more, but I understand how the more comes. The more doesn't come while you sit there twiddling your thumbs waiting for more. It never will come that way. Never, 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 never. Never, never, never will it come that way. The more comes when you use what you have. So I heard somebody say, well, I don't have much. Well, use what you have. Well, I can't do anything but smile. Then just smile. Smile a while. Your face can stand a rest. Everybody else could stand a rest can do brother pastor evangelist preacher all i can do is smile then smile yeah. smile people into the kingdom yeah. i had a oh no i was directing a camp in Perry sound we had 120 staff i was director had 120 staff and we had 300 campers and every week we'd bring in people up from the toronto housing ward to the courts uh, their last resort is either kids go to jail or or they go to camp curio which is the camp of the lord and every every week the, bus would come, the buses would come in. Three, four, five buses would come in, rolling in. And every week, by the end of the week, we'd have almost all of them saved. Hallelujah. And some of those kids today are pastors. Got saved right out of the wards of the court. They were from divorced homes. Kid, I had one kid open his briefcase. and never brought a briefcase. He opened up a suitcase, and all he had was marijuana and two four. Molson Blue. he didn't have any clothes, nothing. He was coming up to have a party. I had to take that from him. I didn't use it either. By the end of the week, he got saved. Come on now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, now, see, 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 the the deal is we got to use what we have. And if we'll use what we have, the Lord will give us more. Everybody say some more. See, you understand that you got to use what you have. Now, now, see, see uh, so at that camp, there was this little guy called Peter Puck. And Peter Puck was mentally challenged. He was mentally challenged. But he, they would send him up to camp, and nobody wanted him. All summer, and all summer, he'd stay at camp with us. And we'd love on him. He was just a little boy, but he was mentally challenged. And, uh, but he had the most remarkable insight because he could see somebody that was hurting, and he would just walk over them. And he'd start to cry. And he'd go over to them. And he'd give them a little hug. And he'd start weeping. And next thing you know, the person that was getting the hug was weeping. And he had a little ministry all of his own. Peter Puck. We used to call him Peter Puckalo. Great ministry. All he could do was just give a hug. It's all he could do. But he made a difference in so many lives. Are you with me right now? So, so here it is. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Peter goes up to the gate, beautiful. And the guy, he sticks out his palms and he asks for alms. And Peter says, now I'll tell you, this is what most Christians would say. I don't have a whole lot of money. I don't have a fine fancy car. My Jesus, he's all right. My Jesus, he's clean out of sight. Where did he go now? Where is he? You know, he's some kind of wonderful. Yes, he is. If I could find him. He's some kind of wonderful. Yes, he is. Most Christians, that's how they're. Somebody comes up, they got a need, and they say, I don't have anything to have, you. but my Jesus, oh, my Jesus, where is he, where is he, I don't know, he's out there somewhere, he'll come to you if you call upon him, he'll come. You know what kind of ministry that is? That's stupid, that's a have not ministry, have not Have not, have not ministry. The word of God says this it says, (laughs) Hallelujah, I'll get a good revelation. It says, it says in Matthew 25, verse 29, For whoever has, more will be given. But he, and he will have it what? He will have abundance. But him who does not have, even what he has, will be taken away. Now, honey. You got it. And, okay, I know some of you guys are I'm not, honey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Baba. Can I tell you something right now? The devil loves it when you're always trying to get something that, he's, that God's already given to you. Yeah. Oh. Jesus come where'd you go oh Jesus oh touch me one more time oh Jesus oh where'd you go Jesus kumbaya my lord like they say by it's like they're swatting flies kumbaya kumbaya my lord the devil loves all that stuff and Jesus I think he's fed up with it all because Peter didn't say To the man at the gate beautiful, he didn't say, look to Jesus. Somewhere. Just just open your eyes sooner or later. You'll see him. In the stars his handiwork I see. Well, he's up there. Well, Peter said, look at me. Everybody say, "Look look at me. See, now. The question is tonight, if you are a missionary and you have a mission, then you ought to ask yourself whether you actually got something. Because if you don't have something, I want to tell you, if you don't have someone, if you don't have something, if you don't have something working on the inside of you right now, i got news for you. According to this scripture, if you don't discern right now that something and someone is on the inside of you, even if you determine that you don't have anything right now, you're going to be in worse shape next year. You're going to be more religious. You're going to be more blind. You're going to be more bound. You're going to be more crippled. You're going to be more useless. Come on now, Right? Peter said to the end of the gate, beautiful, such as I have. Okay, I don't have a whole lot of money. I don't have a fine, fancy car because it ain't been invented yet. <laughs> but look at me. Such as I have, give I you. I was talking to a pastor three, three weeks ago and two weeks ago now. I was talking to him, and he's crying and boo and He's having a nervous breakdown right in front of me. And I said, I said Pastor, I'm really tired. It's 1 o'clock in the morning, but I said, I can help you. I said, he's crying. <laughs> I said, look at me. I can help you. I'll meet you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Well, who do you think you are? Well, I'll tell you something. Yeah. I may not be anybody special in the natural realm, But I'm a child of living God, and I know who dwells inside of me. And I knew for sure that I had the answer for him if he had ears to hear. And as it worked out, I spent five or six hours with him, and after five or six hours, he had a vision, he had a hope, hallelujah, and things are starting to turn around already in his church. Come on now, give the Lord praise. You say, well, why? Who do you think you are? Well, I'm just a man, but I'm not an ordinary man. Christ lives in me. That's right. Such as I have. Right. See, I, see can, I show, can I show you something right now? See, we come to church and we have these great worship services. And when we have the great worship services, then all of a sudden we hit a certain note, we hit a certain level, the preacher preaches a certain thing, and all of a sudden everybody gets, oh, wow, anything could happen now. How many of you ever been there? You've been in a service, Right. The only problem with that is, even though that's how it works in church, it's almost counterproductive and counterintuitive for you to be the missionary you're supposed to be. Some of you are looking at me saying, what's what's he talking about? Because when you are in McDonald's, there is no worship team. When you're in McDonald's, there is no choir. There is no sweet atmosphere. Come on now. When you're on the street in Walmart, people are, you know, you just, it's just the world. that You may not have goosebumps. You may not feel anything. You may not, you may not feel special. You might even be sick in your stomach. You might have an ingrown toenail. But you still have something on the inside that that person doesn't have. And if you don't recognize what you have, what you, have you will never do the works of Christ. And so it's almost counterintuitive in Pentecostal, Charismaniac, Pentecostal, Word, Faith, circles where the Spirit of God moves and we love it and I want more of it. But I don't want to be deceived to think that this is the only place where the Spirit of God can move because he can move in McDonald's with or without a choir. And he can work through my hands with or without a strong anointing. Oh, cool. He can even heal through my hands when I feel sick. Yes. Yes. And some of us, some of you just, some of you just got some crazy ideas. Come on. See, the deal is that you got to know what you have inside you. Yes. Yes. I have a treasure in earthen vessel, Christ yes. in me, yes. the hope of glory. Yes. Well, that's because you're an evangelist. No, it's because I'm a believer. Yes. And if you were a believer, you'd understand that he lives in you too. Yes. Now, watch this. In the book, and say, okay, let me just show you Romans chapter one verse fifteen. Paul says, "I'm ready for it to preach the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, right?" He said, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel; its power of God unto salvation." And he says, "He says, I'm, re- I, I'm ready to preach the gospel." He says, "For as much as in is in me," verse fifteen. He says, "For as much as is in me, I am ready for it to preach the gospel." Everybody say, "I'm a missionary." So you got to discern what's in you. And when you walk out of this place of anointing, the altar and all the good gifts that are flowing at the altar and all the glory and all the wonderful worship, and I'm not minimizing, we like it. We love the atmosphere. We love the manifest presence of God. But you know what? Jesus never, ever once said, I gotta wait for a wind or a wave or a move or a flow or till we hit a certain note before I can heal you. He just ministered out of the God inside him mentality. He said the God he, Philip said John 5 John 15 he said show me the father and Jesus said to Philip have you been with me so long you don't know that me and my father we one for the father and me he does the works yeah. Can I ask you, how did Jesus do the works? Did he do it because there was a great anointing? Did he do it because there's a great worship team? Did he do it because there was a great atmosphere? Did he do it because everybody was believing? Did he do it because everybody lifted their hands to the right? Did he lift, do it because everybody was standing in their head and spit nickels? No, he did it because God dwelled within him. Yes. And then he goes on to say, he is in me, and I am in you. And he said, if he is in me, and I am in you, and I will go, and I'll send you another comforter, and he will abide with you forever. Hallelujah. And on a good day or a bad day, on a good hairdo day or a bad hair day, on a good makeup day, ladies, guys, on a bad day, whether you had an argument or whether you didn't have an argument. See, you guys, I think sometimes we're delusioned, delusional. We think that every time a preacher gets up to preach, he really wants to preach. Sometimes preachers are just tired. Sometimes they come to the service and they go, oh, God, just get me through another one. Here comes another one, just like the other one. Come on now. And you think that every day it's just the clouds of glory. and No, no, no. Sometimes you get up and you think, God... Help me make it through that. Right. Help me make it through the night. Come on now. And you think that every person you see on television, because, you know, you know, they got to be on television, because so that makes it true, everything they're saying. You got to listen because they got the money and, you know, they got enough, they got cameras. And so you think that every time they open their mouth that everything's perfect in their life, and you know it's not true. And I'm here to tell you what the lie of the enemy is, is that, he tells tell the believer two things. Three, first, three things. Number one, you're useless. Yeah. You got to get more courses. You got to study more. You got to pray more. You never did enough. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. Number two, he tells you you're not holy enough. Yeah. Which is, we should always be try to be holy. But listen to me. If you if we let God use us more, we'd probably be more holy. Right. And, and the third thing, is to try to tell you that you didn't have a good enough day. I tell you, sometimes when I, you know, Paul said, when I'm weak, then he's strong. Yeah. So what did Paul do? Did he strive to be weak all the time? No, he strived to be strong. Yeah. But he said, when I am weak, then he's strong. Yeah. And if I had a bad day, God can still use me. Yeah. Yeah. If I had an argument and, I, and it wasn't a nice day, God can still use me. Yeah. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. 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 Why? Because he dwells within me. Right. And so Paul the apostle said in Romans 1, 15, he says, as much as is in me, Everybody say as much as is in me. So you got when you walk out of these doors tonight, you got to figure out how much is in you. Because if you discern right now, there's nothing in you, even what you have is going to be taken away. But if you say there's something in, something within me, got a hold of the reins. Come on, you got to know something's in you. Somebody say something's in me. Something's in you. Now discern the difference between the manifest presence and the indwelling presence. Yeah. And you need to know that the indwelling presence is with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, on a good day and a bad day, hallelujah, a booger in your eye day, a good hair day, a bad hair day. Come on now. He's with you all the time, hallelujah. And the Christ that dwells in you, he does the works. Yeah. So Paul the Apostle says, I can't be, re-. see, this is it. All the church, well, we don't have enough money to do that mission I'll tell you something you decide to do a mission God will send the money right I don't have this I don't have that well let me tell you 1999 when we got when we started out in full time missionary I thought it would have been easier 17 I'm almost done 17 17 uh, years of pastoring I thought my God for sure for sure I'm going to have lots of people help me got out there God told me not to call for one booking for six months I never called for one booking and I preached four times and God paid my salary. Hallelujah. And he said, at that time, he said, don't sell a book. Don't sell a deed. Now, I'm okay to do it now. But at that first part, God wanted me to totally, completely trust him. Yeah. So I didn't do anything. And so finally, after about five or six mi- months, I said, okay, God, now, <sighs> you know, I'm telling everybody I'm going to go do ministry in North Africa. I have no one crusade. So finally, I just talked to my wife. I said, I'm fed up with this. I said, I'm going to go do a crusade. She said, with what? I said, I'm going to put all my visa. She said, really? I said, yeah, I'm going to tell everybody that I believe in myself. So I put the first crusade on my visa, flew over to Uganda, and rented a pickup truck, rented two speakers the size of, you know, half the size of this, a couple microphones, two armed guards to travel with us, and a vehicle, and went up to Ye, Sudan. It took us 36 hours to go 170 kilometers through the cratered, torn roads. Went up there, Preached, saw 11,000 people come to Jesus. Came home, took me two and a half years to pay it off. But bless God, that's all I had. As much as is in me, such as I have. Now I've determined I'm not going to debt for one more crusade, and I never have. But here's the deal now our crusade expenses are about $100,000. Now we got trucks and two compounds and, and vehicles and sound systems and keyboards and sound boards and, and mattresses and cook stoves and, and gas, you know, gas tanks and all kinds of stuff because we take a team of us, uh, 30 people and our budget's big, hallelujah. And you say, well, why? How did that happen? Because we used what we had. Mm-hmm. And most people would say, you don't got nothing. I even looked and I said, I don't really have anything. All I got is a credit card. Now, see, some of you are looking at me and say, well, I don't believe God. Would. You know, you just don't worry about that. I'm not in debt now. But I'm just telling you right now, some of us, we look and say, well, if God will give me more, then I'll start doing more. And I'm here to tell you, if you start using what you got, God will give you more. Yes. On, Such as I have. Such as I have. Such as I have. Such as I have. If all you got is one piece of fruit, hang it out there and let the people receive it. Follow you God as a smile. Yes. Follow you God as a word. Well, brother, I don't know how to do much, but I can pray for somebody. Then pray for them. Mm-hmm. Just do something. Because you have a mission and you are a missionary. Yes. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm a, I'm, a I'm a missionary. I'm a missionary. I have a mission, have a mission. and Christ dwells in me. Dwells in me. Hallelujah. And I want to ask you, how big is He on the inside? Big. How big is He on the inside? How big is he on the inside? Because the more you spend time in his presence, the more the anointing is going to grow. Hallelujah. How many many got something out of this tonight? Hallelujah. 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 What God wants to do is raise up an army of missionaries. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, it's time to let you go. Hallelujah. You go and you touch your people. You go and touch your friends. You go and minister to them. Hallelujah. If they don't receive you, you don't get intimidated. You just keep on going. That's what a missionary does. Well, I'm here for four years and I ain't leaving. If one person believes, I'm going to keep on doing it. Yeah. If 5,000 people believe, I'm still going to keep on doing it. I'm a missionary, I'm, a, I'm on a mission. I'm a missionary. I'm on a mission. Hallelujah. And everything we do all the week long and everything we do all month long is because we're on a mission. I'm on a mission. Mission, 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 mission. I got a mission. Hallelujah. I'm on a mission. Hallelujah. And it doesn't matter the obstacles. Hallelujah. Our last crusade, we got shot at. We got shot at by the LRA and and we got, we were supposed to go in one place and then we ended up not being able to go there because of war. So we were supposed to go over here and then the tribal war broke out, but we kept on going mission, mission. There's a mission. There's souls. There's souls and Somebody needs Jesus. Somebody needs to be prayed for. Somebody needs healing. Hallelujah. Somebody needs hope. Hallelujah. Somebody needs the, the touch of God. Hallelujah. I have a mission. I'm a missionary. I'm on a mission. Hallelujah. Mission, 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 mission. Hallelujah. That's what it's all for. If it ain't for that, then what's it for? Because the only thing we're taking with us when we get to heaven is people. It's not the church pulpit. It's not the sound system. It's not the church van. It's not your four-wheel drive, four-wheeler. 4 It's not your skidoo. It's not your pickup truck. It's not your fancy house, and I'm not, I'm not against any of that. Enjoy. But understand, I have a mission. Someone say, I got a mission. Someone say, I got, mission. I got a mission. I got a mission. I got a mission. Now, let me ask you something right now. If you understand what I preached, you are a missionary and you have a mission. Let me ask you this question. What do you have? What do you have inside you? What do you have inside you? What do you have inside you? The living God. Whether you feel it or don't feel it. So let me just finish with this thought. So I get up in front of 60,000 people who have rocks and sticks in their hands. And there is no choir. And nobody's singing, hallelujah. Ushers, keep that baby quiet. Hallelujah. Help somebody find their seat. There are no chairs. Hallelujah. Everybody lift your hands. Hallelujah. You're hitting the wrong note. Hallelujah. Everybody lean to the right. Hallelujah. I have none of that. I have nothing. I got 30 workers. They're all busy. Four of them are trying to keep the generators going. There's fun, some of them trying to keep the crowd control. Some of them are climbing the poles to make sure the lights are working because the light just went out. And somebody else is trying to keep the sound system going. And there's a couple of people praying under, under the stage. And, 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 and that's about it. And so I'm up there and they're all like this. <laughs> There's no anointing. There's no atmosphere. There's nothing. 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 Except for what's inside me. I pump the well. 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 Twenty minutes. 25 minutes, usually it's not that long, usually about 5 or 10 minutes now. Hallelujah, I'm learning. Hallelujah, because I don't like those 20 minutes. When I'm just wondering, okay, are the rocks going to fly or Jesus, you're going to show up, right? Hallelujah, come on now. And I'm like, whoa, glory. Come on, I'm pumping the well, pump 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 the well. Splash! Somebody starts getting healed. Pump the well, pump the well, pump the well, pump the well. Splash! That's what happened in that crusade where you saw me preaching in front of a mosque. I'm pumping the well, pumping the well, pump the well. 30,000 people, 30,000 Muslims. I'm pumping that we're preaching in front of the mosque, which is something you shouldn't do. And I'm pumping the, well, pumping the 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 well. I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, thank you. I know you're going to show up. Hallelujah. Because I know you live inside me. Now, with the real man inside me, come out. Please, because everybody doesn't want to look at me anymore. They want to see you. Hallelujah. And I don't want them to look at me. I don't even want them to know where I am right now. Yes, come out, Lord. Come out. And pump the well, pump the well, pump the well. Show and all of a sudden, in the middle of my message, well, I yet spake. And it wasn't the greatest message. It was a tough message. It was hard. The people were tough. But all of a sudden, the water started flowing, and the guy who had paralysis from the neck down, who was laying on the ground, got up, started jumping and leaping, waving his arms. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And 30,000 people felt the anointing. And goosebumps were on their back. And they were like, wow. Why? Because I know I have something. Something within me. And I'm here to tell you the same Jesus lives in me, lives in you. All the time. When you feel it or not, he's there. You are a missionary, you have a mission, and you have the tools, Christ in you. And the more you let him out, the more he's going to work through you. Come on now. Come on now. That's what it's all about. That's why you should spend time in his presence. Because when you spend time in his presence, you're gleaning his glory. And the glory that you see is reflecting in you. And all of a sudden, the glory is getting stronger, stronger, stronger. Oh, it's getting to my hands. Woo! It's getting to my feet. Woo! It's getting to my mouth. Woo! It's getting into my. my oh, hallelujah. And all of a sudden, it starts bubbling out of you. Praise God. A river of living water. Hallelujah. Not just a river, but rivers. Hallelujah. Because we have a treasure in earth and earthen vessel. Hallelujah. That's why we have such glorious times at the altar. When everybody comes together and bring, you bring the indwelling Christ and everybody comes together, what a wonderful thing when God, God's people get together. But the world out there, the, you, some of you think that those crusades that we have in North Africa are just thick with the rich anointing. No, it's as dead as a doorknob yeah. until Jesus shows up. And the only way he's entering is through me. And everywhere you go, it's the same way. As much as is in me. What do you have? That's my question. Hallelujah. Everybody say this. I have a mission. I, have a mission. I am a missionary. I am a missionary. And, I have and I have Christ in me. The hope of glory. Hope of glory. And He is enough. And, he is enough. and everywhere, I go, everywhere I go, whether I feel it or don't feel it, I feel well, I feel good or don't feel good. I have him, I have have enough, enough. and that will make a difference, now listen, I'll tell you something right now, stand on your feet, if you believe that right now, I'm here to tell you that this whole area is fixing for revival, come on now, just take your hands right now, Oh, hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you, you, know what? Stop! Put down your hands for a second. I'm going to just tell you how it works. You all looking for revival? Yes. You know where it starts? Here. So I've done, done a survey, and I'm not, I don't know everything about revival, but I know this. If you'll pump the well, you'll have a river to release. If you'll release the river, you have a chance of rain. Yes. And let me just tell you, if you want the manifest presence of God, every time the manifest presence of God has come and in the form of revival, it's been because some people have been very, very much aware of the indwelling presence. come Come on. Put your hands on your belly right now. And like Bible, like Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, he said to Timothy, he didn't say, Timothy, pray for a wind, pray for a wave, pray for a move, tra- pray for a visitation. He said, stir up the gift which is in you. Come on, put your hands on your belly right now. Come on, put your hands on your belly right now. Stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. We have a treasure in earthen vessel, Christ in us, the hope of glory, hallelujah. He lives in me, hallelujah. He moves in me, hallelujah. Jesus, I give you permission. Get into my hands. Get into my mouth, Jesus. I'm not going to keep you down in the basement any longer. Hallelujah. I let you out. You can get in my hands. You can get in my mouth. You can get in my pocketbook. You can get into my brain. Hallelujah. I give you permission. You can have control of this whole house. Hallelujah. Christ in me, the hope of glory, such as I have, as much as is in me, I am ready for to preach. Hallelujah. Whoa, Come on. Stir it up. Stir it up for a moment. Come on. Stir it up. 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 Out of your belly. Rivers of living water. Out of your belly. Rivers of living water. Out of your belly. Rivers of living water. Rivers. 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 Rivers of living water. Hallelujah. 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 Now, make this confession with me right now. Whether I feel like it or not, like it or not there, is there is a Christ who lives inside of me. Inside of me. He's, strong. he's strong. He's mighty. He's, mighty. He's, there the he's there all the time. Whether I recognize him or not, him or he's, not there. He's, there. he's there. And I have an indwelling presence. I have an indwelling presence. Christ, in Christ in me. The hope of glory. The hope of glory. I have and I am a missionary. I have a missionary. And I have been given the authority. Given the but not just the authority. not just the authority. I have the power. Have power. And, the power and the power resides in me. And on a good day good. or a bad day, I still have the power. I'm, a ministry. I'm important to God. I'm important. I am ambassador. An ambassador. I am a priest. I'm a, priest. I'm a, minister. I'm a minister. I am a missionary. missionary. I, have a mission. I have a mission. Use me, Lord. Come on, come on, just pray right now. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. I know you use my pastor, and I know you use the worship team, and I know you use that evangelist, but use me, Lord. 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 Just earnestly pray for me. Use me, Lord. Work through my hands and work through my mouth and work through my life and work through my pocketbook and work through me, Lord God. Use me, use me, use me, use me, use me, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is an old song, but I want you to get it. Lift up your hands towards heaven right now. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me anybody know it and may i ever do my part to win that soul for thee. It's all right. It's an old song, but it's an anointed song. Sing it right now. Sing it in prayer. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. And may I ever do my part. To in that soul for thee sing it with me right now lord lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me and may If you can sing some bass, you can sing some alto, sing something, but I'll just sing with me right now, sing it as a prayer. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart, and love that soul through me, and So for, I'm not gonna quit for a while. So you might as well catch on. Lord lay some soul upon my. Lift up your hands and sing it one more time. Lord, lay some soul apart. Sing it as a prayer right now. And love that soul through me. It is a prayer. We're going to sing it a couple more times so you might as well get used to it. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through. soul for thee. One more time. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me and be soul one more time sing it sincerely from your heart Lord lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul So for thee and may I ever do my part to in that soul. For thee. Look at me right now. Look at me right now. Look at me right now. The spirit of the Lord is here, hallelujah. Sometimes we got to move past what's in it for me to move into a place to what's in it through me. Like I said last night, we got to move from consumer to carrier. we got to move from self to servant. Hallelujah. Now bow your heads and close your eyes. Hallelujah.